welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I am your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Jeff Goodman of Stadium. Jeff, of course, is a longtime expert on college basketball. He has covered the sport for many years, worked at ESPN and other places. The context of today's show is Jeff Goodman's tweet about Jerry Stackhouse's staff, which I will get into in a minute. This was recorded on a Tuesday, and it will probably be aired on a Thursday. Since then, since then, Jerry Stackhouse has tweeted out a thing or two about what Goodman tweeted. This was all recorded before that. This show is sponsored by The Well Coffee House, a Nashville-area coffee house that provides fresh roast coffee, along with house-made pastries, breakfast, and lunch offerings. There are four locations to serve you in the Nashville area. Those are Brentwood, Green Hills, Downtown, and Bellevue. More information can be found at wellcoffeehouse.org. The Well Coffee House, where coffee changes lives. We thank our co-presenting sponsor, Wellspire, Nashville's Learning and Development Center located in the Gulch. Today's news is sponsored by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, call Taylor or Russell at 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Well, Damani Hendricks is Vanderbilt's third assistant. Hendricks was in a support role on the staff a year ago. That is the third of the three assistants that Jerry Stackhouse is allowed to have by NCAA rules. Of course, those assistants are the ones allowed out on the road to recruit. Our guest line, on which Jeff Goodman appears, is brought to you by Bowling Branch. Started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. Had no clue how comfortable sheets could be until I got these. They are fair trade certified, which means they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them free for a month. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018, go to bowlandbranch.com. That is spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code Vandy and get $50 off your first set of sheets. Jeff Goodman joins us on the podcast. If you follow college basketball, you know that name. He has been at ESPN and other places. He is now at Stadium. Jeff, thanks for joining us today. Now, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And a beautiful day here in Boston. I know you've been dealing with Beautiful days for a while, but we finally got it here in Boston. So I'm outside uh, recording this podcast. Hopefully there won't be too much noise, but uh, I got to take advantage while I can. Hey, we have not had beautiful weather here. It has been, I've referred to the Nashville area as the Pacific Northwest because it has been 50s and 60s and raining all spring. It is now up into the 80s, and thank God for that. But anyway. Yeah. Jeff, what prompted this podcast today? You tweeted out something about Jerry Stackhouse's basketball staff. Today he hired Damani Hendricks. It is a very unusual staff in its composition. I will let you either read the tweet that you made or explain it or however you like to do it, but that's kind of the jumping off point for why we did this, so I'll let you explain. Yeah, listen, you reached out to me because of a tweet, and and, and I saw that and I had heard this last week that Damani Hendricks was going to be promoted to, to replace David Grace, who, who Stack basically got rid of. And now you look at that staff, and I tweeted, I have never, ever, in, in my all my years of covering college and, and recruiting, seen a high major staff with less recruiting experience than Damani Hendricks, Adam Azure, and, and Farragut Phillips. And I don't even know if I'm pronouncing those guys' names right, because I have no no idea who they are frankly, and a lot of other people don't. You know, I was surprised enough 
when Stack went with an NBA guy on his staff who had no recruiting experience in, in, in Adam and then went with a high school coach out of Memphis because, frankly, you're not beating Penny Hardaway for the top players in Memphis. So why are you hiring a high school coach in, in Memphis? Uh, and then even with David Grace, I was like, all right, I don't know because, you know, frankly – he hadn't really recruited at a academic school. You could say UCLA, but it's different. UCLA, you're, you're going hard in the West Coast. You're not necessarily recruiting academic kids like you have to do it at Vanderbilt. So I didn't even think Grace was the perfect situation for Vandy. But compared to, you know, Damani Hendricks, who, again, I know he's plugged into the Oakland Soldiers, but I, I just don't get this staff other than the fact that he just thinks he's going to outdevelop people. But bottom line is that I just had a coach call me, a high major assistant. He said, like, I don't know what – I've gotten a bunch of texts this morning from a, you know, high major assistants, some saying, hey, don't kill him. We want him to stay in the league. That was from one SEC assistant. Other coaches saying, listen, you're right. I mean, this staff is, is a complete joke in terms of recruiting. We're not scared of him at all. And, and I think, again, the bottom line is he thinks he can outdevelop guys but you better get talent in there, man. Otherwise, you're going to be out of there sooner rather than later. The answer to this is self-evident. But as I've noted, look, Coach K doesn't try this. Dean Smith doesn't try it. Every coach has people with recruiting connections. Why, why do people basically not run a staff this way? Yeah, I mean, because it, it, it's not going to succeed. I mean, you've got to get players. You've got to get dudes. And then you can you can develop them or whatnot. You would think Stackhouse would understand that better than most, being in the NBA, playing in the NBA, coaching in the NBA, that I, I just don't quite get it. I, I know it's a different and listen, no no offense, but I don't I wouldn't have hired Stack and Vandy. Like what did he know about an academic school like he had never coached in college and you're gonna give him a job that frankly isn't in his wheelhouse. And that's not Stack's fault. That's not the current AD's fault. Obviously that's Malcolm Turner's fault. And, and he was gone before anybody knew who he was nationally. And again, I'm not saying Bryce Drew, for all those Mandy fans that killed me, and there are plenty, I'm not saying Bryce Drew was the answer. I'm saying I wouldn't have fired him after three years, after he went to the tournament his first year. And oh, by the way, he lost Darius Garland, a lottery pick, and your point guard. You can't win without a point guard in, in year three. And again, should he have gotten an 0-18 in the league? No, it was an abomination. But again, one thing he did have was talent. And if you put Darius Garland on that team, I think they win five more games. That's still five and whatever, 13 or 15, whatever they had, 20 game, you know, conference games. I just can't believe this staff. I mean, honestly, like I said, I just can't believe it. It just does not uh, look to me like a staff that is capable of getting players that are going to be good enough to compete in the SEC. That's all. Jeff, following the Stackhouse hire was – Hard to do, hard to tell where they were going. There was some thought that some of the names he leaked, like John Thompson III and Dawkins at UCF, were kind of done as favors and that what he was looking for, he being Malcolm Turner, was Jerry yeah. Stackhouse all along, that he'd made up his mind yeah. before he got there. Bryce gave him cover by going over for the league, right? But what was the 100%. buzz that you heard nationally on that coaching search, and how attractive was that vacancy? Well, I think it's attractive to the right people, right? I mean, Kevin Stalin's now looking back. You look at, you know, what he had done there, you know, a pretty darn good job in terms of evaluating 
and developing and getting some, you know, some highly touted guys too. And I think Dan Muller was, was a huge part of that staff, King Rice. I mean, he had a good staff and ultimately that's the key here. And that's all I'm trying to say is, and I've learned this over the years. And even with Stackhouse, I said, like, I don't love the hire as a head coach, but I'm going to reserve judgment when he got hired to see who he puts together as his staff. Because if he puts together a killer staff, okay, you know what? Chris Mullen, same thing. I hated the hire. Hated it at St. John's. But I said, like, if he puts together a killer staff that can get him players, he'll be okay at least. You'll have a chance. So I think the staff is sometimes more important than the head coach. And again, as shown by Kevin Stallings, who didn't love to recruit, you know this. I mean, I'd be out in the summers at the Peach Jam, sitting, and I like Kevin a lot. I get along with Kevin really well, or did, until I called the Pittsburgh hire one of the worst hires in the last decade, uh, which it was. But Kevin would be watching his kid Jake play on, on his cell phone. He'd be watching him play minor league baseball or whatever. Like, he didn't want to be out there recruiting, but he had great assistance. And, and that's where I think this could be. And again, I don't know these guys well. I don't really know them at all. I wouldn't know them if they were at my house right now, the three of them. So it's hard for me to judge on anything other than their resume. And their resume tells me that they're not going to be able to get high-level dudes. Well, I think you just answered the question because these NBA hires, Mullen didn't really work out at St. John's. Stackhouse, we will wait and see. Jalen Rose did some good things early at Michigan. And Penny Juwan Hardaway. Howard. Yeah, Juwan Howard. Oh, excuse me, Juwan Howard. Yes, Jalen Rose is on ESPN. Pardon me. He did me. a good job. Yeah, he did a good job this year, Juwan Howard. He did. Yeah, but point is, I think Penny Hardaway will wait and see, right? I guess the common denominator on these guys, a lot of it is just who do they hire as their coaches? Is that a fair way to put it? No, and work ethic. You know, you got a lot of money in the bank. It's a different deal. Are you, are you prepared to have to spend all the time grinding on the phone, flying out to see 17-year-old kids to persuade them to come to your school. I think with a lot of these guys, when you have 50, $100 million in the bank, it's not your livelihood. It doesn't define you if you don't, you know, I mean, Clyde Drexler. Listen, you can go back and 80% of the guys who went from former NBA players or former NBA coaches to the college game have failed. They haven't made it. You know, you, Michael Curry at FAU, Terry Porter right now at, at Portland. Again, we talked about Mullen. Patrick Ewing's going into year four at Georgetown. He doesn't have an NCAA tournament on his resume. There's been some good ones, too. Like, Damon Stoudemire's done a good, pretty good job so far at Pacific. Obviously, Fred Hoiberg hit it. But he hit it. He got a little lucky, too. You know, like, he hit it at Iowa State when nobody else is doing the transfer thing. He hit it with some second-chance guys. I don't think he's going to hit it again at Nebraska. So. I think more often than not, you get guys that don't know the landscape that are being told when they get the job how hard they're going to have to work, but they don't understand that you literally have to be on the phone all the time with these recruits or texting and and out flying on private planes or regular planes to see these kids. It's a totally different ball. And I've talked to Brad Stevens about this enough, so I know. And Billy Donovan, two guys that, that I'm pretty close to. I'm here in Boston. So I talk to Brad about it all the time. And Brad's biggest thing to me is, Listen, when I, when I drive home now from practice, the phone never rings. He's like, I, I want it to ring. Like, nobody calls me anymore. I don't have to call any recruits. He said, I, I like that part of it, but it, it, it just it, it was strange, especially to him at first. 
One of the problems I see, and now look, we've heard this a couple years running now. The SEC is supposedly getting better in hoops. We heard that last year didn't happen. But you look at the roster of coaches in the league, and it's hard to bet against these guys succeeding long-term. I saw your top 50 for next year that you released, I want to say a month ago, and it looked a lot yep. like last year's Big Ten and that nobody really at the top, I don't know that you had anybody in your top 20 in the SEC, maybe one or two towards the end, but I think you had nine or ten in your top 50. Yeah. So, for, right. for, and, and you know your stuff. It seems like this league is about to get tougher before it gets worse. I think everybody's pretty good. Kentucky's Kentucky, and, and they could be a little bit down this year if they don't get the big kid Olivier Saar eligible to play this year, the transfer from, from Wake. But for the most part, Kentucky's Kentucky every year, right? Like everybody knows they're going to be one of the top teams. Other than that, I mean, you, you, you've still got a bunch of, of good coaches that have, again, connections within college basketball. And that's the thing that separates Stack in a way it makes him unique from everybody else is are his NBA connections. Again, I got nothing. There's nothing wrong with utilizing that, but I just feel like you need two guys on your staff that are going to go get dudes. Like I don't understand that the high school coach from Memphis, I just don't get that one. I, I, I don't understand why you would hire a high school coach from Memphis that again, isn't going to be able to recruit Penny Hardaway out recruit Penny Hardaway for a kid from Memphis. You're just not. So, What's his value on the staff? Is he some great development guy? No, I assume he was brought in to get players. Now you got two guys on your staff that are really NBA guys. Again, one that, you know, maybe he'll get a guy from the Oakland Soldiers. He better. I mean, he better because otherwise, you know, and you look at what they have coming in this year, it's not overwhelming by any means, right? Do you have a guy that Tyron Lawrence is probably the only guy who's right ranked in the top 150? Yeah, if you go McBride two classes ago out of Kansas, then I think he was 109 at Rivals, and that's one where just the reviews on him are all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I've, I've heard, again, you know, good player, really a scoring point. You know, scoring point is the biggest thing with McBride. Didn't make it long at Kansas. Obviously wasn't good enough for, for Kansas that they would have kept him there. But, yeah, I, again – we don't know. I, I just feel like, again, if I'm Vandy, I'm, I'm fighting Stanford for some kids. I'm fighting Harvard for some, you know, like I'm going to win some battles there because, uh, frankly, I'm in the SEC and I've got elite academics and I do have a history. There's some tradition and history with that program. So it shouldn't be dormant like it is. And, and, and they had some play like, you know, we even talked about, obviously, uh, Neesmith and, and Saban Lee leaving. You know, with Aaron, he had to go. I mean, he's going to be a first-round pick. You know, Saban Lee certainly doesn't help them that, that he's going, and he may not even be drafted. I'm going to get two quick questions from our listening audience, then I'll get you out of here, Jeff. Our guest line brought to you by our friends at Bowl and Branch, started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. I've had Bowl and Branch sheets for years. They are fair trade certified, which means they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them for a month. You can return them for free, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to bowlandbranch.com. That's spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code Vandy and get $50 off your first set of sheets. 
This one from Vandy Fan 96 He says, what are your thoughts on the team ceiling and floor next season, and what do you feel like the team will most likely be record-wise? Well, the good thing is they should finish ahead of Georgia because Georgia's going to suck. Um, so I think they'll definitely finish ahead of Georgia. I don't know who else they finish ahead of. Honestly, I mean, looking at the teams, who, who else do they, they finish ahead of other than Georgia right now? Maybe Missouri, I guess. I would expect them to be towards the bottom again next year. You know, somewhere in the bottom three in the SEC. And I don't, again, I don't see an NCAA tournament. I don't even see an NIT on the horizon for next year. But again, we should be wrong. I don't know how these guys develop. If, if all these guys are on board to help develop these kids, well, then, then they should make a big jump from last year to this year. Now, the problem with that, too, is how much time are they going to have to spend with them this summer? You know, the summers is, is, a, is a good time. I mean, you don't get a ton of time with your guys, but uh, you get some time with them. And now that could be cut significantly with everything that's going on in our country right now. Even if kids come back on campus, we don't know what the restrictions are going to be with them being able to work with coaches. So th- I think that'll be affected as well in terms of development. I did want to interject one question, my own, before I get the last one from the sure. mailbag and get you out of here. To his credit, he did a great job with Aaron Neesmith. I mean, he developed him from an end-of-the-first-round guy to a guy that you're now seeing maybe top 10 overall. So I would have to think yeah. that helps him as a coach in recruiting. No, totally. Total. Listen, again, I'm not saying he can't develop dudes. I'm not questioning that at all. I'm questioning that you need to get some dudes in that you don't have to develop. You need to get some guys in that can uh, impact right away that you're, you're recruiting at a high level so you can get other guys. Uh, I, I just don't think you can count on developing every single player. I, I think you got to get some guys in that you know are can't-miss kids if you can. Last question comes from Buff Door. He says, do you think – or he says, how do you think the ability to openly pay players for their likeness will impact college basketball? Would it hurt the non-Blue Bloods like Vandy or help since the Blue Bloods get all the best players anyway? Or the things Vandy can do to get an advantage if it leverages this properly? I don't think it'll change a ton in the overall landscape. I think that the, the really good teams will still be really good and get the best players for the most part. But I think there'll be some examples, you know, maybe, uh, you know, if you're in a small town that doesn't have pro sports, I think you can, you can get a little bit of advantage. Like here in Boston, for example, college sports don't matter in Boston. So a school like Boston College has no shot to, to get any third-party advertisements or endorsements from other companies. They just don't. I don't know what it's like in, in, in Nashville. I mean, obviously there's some pro sports, but it's probably more of a, college sports town to some degree so you know is is it as good as a lexan in kentucky maybe not because everything about lexan is about kentucky right everything about tuscaloosa is about alabama but alabama is also going to want to pour all their money into football you know most of the schools that i guess that'd be the one advantage they might have in a sense over some of the other sec programs that a lot of them are so football heavy where at least mandy's got it's not Arkansas. It's not Kentucky. It's not even uh, Florida is still more football, but you do have some basketball, more tradition. Uh, I think it's a little bit more equal than some of the other uh, the programs in the SEC. So I, I don't know how to answer that, to be honest, because we haven't seen it happen yet. But I think, you know, the other part of it is, and I've said this to, to a lot of people, 
when this goes into effect and you've got third party uh, endorsers and you're somebody like Jerry Stackhouse and you've got a buddy of yours who owns a car dealership, you know, can't you just set it up? And I'm not saying just Stackhouse. I'm saying anybody who's got a, a you know, a, a hook with somebody that's a big time booster that owns a big time company. And you're, you're telling, Hey, listen, uh, if you come here, we're going to have you locked into a pretty good endorsement deal with, with this guy who owns whatever car dealership. And, and I can promise you that you're going to get a deal for at least, you know, a hundred grand or whatever it's going to be. So I, I just don't know how it's going to shake itself out because of things like that. It's going to be hilarious when they try to regulate this. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. I don't know how they're going to do it. Yeah, I think you just let them take what they take and, and get on with it. But that's not the NCA's way. Anyway. You're probably right. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think that's probably, and I was never that way up until recently. But at this point, you're going to regulate, you're going to cap or not cap or whatever. Like, just, you know what? Let I've said this. Let the market correct itself after the first year. It's going to be screwed up in year one. There'll be people overpaying like crazy in year one. And then they'll realize, you know, like, like a great example, like a Kentucky, the kid Khalil Whitney, right? He came in as a McDonald's All-American. People thought he was a one and done. He barely played. So what about that person who paid Khalil Whitney 200 grand or 100 grand or 50 grand, whatever it is, they're not getting their bank for their bucks. So they're saying to themselves, why am I going to do this again for a kid that didn't even play here? I'm totally with you on that. Jeff, you do great work. I've read it for years. Thank you so much for joining Thank our you. podcast. And tell people where they can find you online and what you're working on at Stadium and where they can access that. Yeah, at, at Goodman Hoops, Twitter handle. Uh, some will like it, some will hate it. Uh, I try to speak my mind and have some fun while I'm doing it. Bottom line is, honestly, I try to give unfiltered opinions based on the information that I have. And, and I think... That's something, unfortunately, that can get me in trouble at times, uh, but I'm okay with it. I'm okay with not getting every piece of information because I, I'm, I'm honest with myself and I wake up every day feeling pretty good about the fact that, yeah, I, I said it the way I, how I believe it. And I'm not kowtowing to coaches. You know, I'm not kissing anybody's ass for information. So again, that's kind of what you'll get uh, on my Twitter account and you can go to stadium the best way to get all the information is really through my Twitter account, but you can go to stadium. We're actually Brett McMurphy and I are working on a, a big project starting up soon where we're actually rating, uh, ranking and rating all the athletic direct directors hires, uh, based on their men's basketball and football hires. Uh, and it'll be active AD. So you, you won't have one. Uh, we won't be able to rate Malcolm Turner cause he is already gone. But so we, we do, you know, do different types of projects. Yeah. It's about it. Other than that, just, Staying busy and uh, enjoying the sun. I'm looking forward to reading that. Anyway, he's Jeff Goodman. I'm Chris Lee, the host of the Vandy Sports Podcast. Jeff, thank you for joining us today, and have a wonderful summer. Thanks for having me, Chris. Appreciate it, man.